This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 267. So today is Sunday, August 7th, 2022. And these are the news and rumor stories that I am covering in this episode. First up, 20-foot custom tripod used to capture America's fading lighthouses. When photographer David Zapka was growing up on Rhode Island, listening to the foghorn of a nearby lighthouse, it instilled in him what his wife describes as an obsession. Zapka is on a mission to document the U.S.'s disappearing lighthouses and has currently photographed 193 of them, all at night. At one time, there are more than 1,600 lighthouses permeating the coastlines of the United States. Now, there are a little over 800 of them still remaining. To capture the unique structures, Zapka uses an array of methods and equipment. Most unusual is his 20-foot tripod that a friend welded together for him so that he can wade out into the water and still take a 20-second exposure. Quote, we've successfully shot about 15 lighthouses, otherwise unachievable unless we had this fantastic tool, Zapka says, of the Frankenstein tripod. It's been a game changer for the project. And although we look quite crazy putting together the behemoth tripod while launching it off boats, the results are pretty amazing. And I do have to agree, you can check out some of his beautiful images in this article in the show notes. Despite the enormous tripod, Zapka says that photography is the easiest part of the project and that researching each lighthouse is what takes the most time and energy. Quote, it's imperative and respectful to search out the right permissions from the right people to gain their trust and access prior to arriving on location, Zapka tells Petapixel. Quote, after getting the permission, researching satellite imagery, tide and navigation charts, lunar schedules, and lastly, short-range forecasts help determine successful shoots. Quote, in a number of instances, I've done complete due diligence before arriving on location only to have a fog bank roll in. It can be frustrating at times, and it's also the reason why it has taken nine years to photograph only 193 lighthouses. The photo gear and methodology. Before every shoot, Zapka presets his 10-year-old Nikon D4 to ISO 2000 20-second exposure time and white balances 3200 Kelvin. His Nikar 14mm f2.8 is always set at f2.8. Quote, the shoot location determines the final settings and most often it's directly affected by any ambient light remaining long after the sun is set. I use the ISO as the only variable and manually focus on the flashing beacon, he explains. For lighting, Zapka uses a light panel bi-color one-by-one LED on a stand. Zapka says that all of his photographs are single images with no Photoshop composing. 
I pride myself on creating old school latent photographs composed and lighted in the field. I've never added any stars to any photograph and pretty much what is before my eyes on location is what is in the final edit. I closely follow the Associated Press style guide for ethical photojournalism, even though I'm a client only to myself. I firmly believe a good photograph should be obtained using an intelligent approach in the field. There, then there is the matter of his homemade 20-foot-tall tripod that he uses in the ocean. Quote, the biggest hurdle for successful tripod images is the makeup of the bottom. One never knows what's below the surface, and we hope for it to be flat and sandy. Rocky and hilly bottoms are a nightmare when trying to set the tripod, and on a number of shoots, I have had to abandon using it. It's often simply trial and error while on location floating in the dark near a historic lighthouse. Zapka is involved with the preservation of lighthouses and is president of Plum Beach Lighthouse in Rhode Island. The United States Lighthouse Society even donated a 20-year-old 22-foot recreational vehicle RV to help him travel to distant lighthouses. Since most of the shoots go late into the night, being able to avoid driving long distances on unfamiliar road, dark roads is a nice safety feature, he explains. Many lighthouse foundations allow me to stay on their properties overnight, and there's little more appealing than climbing into the bunk after a successful shoot and falling asleep to the blinking light of the tower's beacon. Other kit includes a rock climbing helmet with headlamp, personal flotation device, a miniature emergency positioning indicating radio beacon, ice crampons, and a pair of waders. Zapka has published two books concerning the lighthouses, which are available to purchase at the link in this article in the show notes. As a publication, they are sold out, but more will be available in mid-October. And I think this is a fantastic project. Now, when I lived in Georgia back in 2010, myself and several members of the amateur radio club I was in got the idea to do a lighthouse expedition. And this is a ham radio expedition where all the stations were transmitting from lighthouses around the world. And we actually traveled my group out to Sapelo Island, which is one of the barrier islands off the coast of Georgia. And we had free run of the majority of the island for the entire week we were there. And it was a lot of fun. And of course, everybody knows I've been working on my personal projects, Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania, so I can totally understand where this gentleman is coming from. And I wish him the best of luck. I don't know if I'd want to lug that 20-foot tripod around out in the field myself, though. First ever video footage of an extremely rare box jellyfish. A diver off the coast of Papua New Guinea recorded gorgeous footage of a box jellyfish. On its own, the footage is spectacular, but is even more impressive since this is, the, uh, this is only the second time this species has ever been documented. The gorgeous jellyfish, which features four groups of striped tentacles that trail behind a translucent body spotted with rings around a bright red core, uh, is called uh, Carodectus. Maculatus, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, <laughs> is an incredibly uncommon species of box jellyfish found off the coast of Queensland, Australia. Quote, saw a new type of jellyfish while diving today. It has cool markings and is a bit bigger than a soccer ball, and they are quite fast swimming, the description of the video reads. 
Most box jellyfish are venomous to humans, some extremely so, but this particular species isn't known to be harmful. It was first described in 2005 by a team of Australian scientists who caught one in 1997 and preserved it. It was classified by another scientist a year later. While it has been seen before and it is not new as the video creator thought, the species is so rare that it has never been seen more than these two times. This is this is made even more extraordinary by the fact that the footage is so high quality. It is very it very easily could be the best look at the species alive and in its natural habitat that exists. Speaking to Motherboard, Dr. Alan Collins, a zoologist and curator for the Smithsonian Institute, uh, Institute National Museum of Natural History, says that the video shows characteristics that are similar but not identical to the previous description. For example, the description from 2005 says that the creature has spots, while the footage here shows rings. Quote, I suppose there's always a chance that this specimen is from a closely related but not yet undescribed uh, from a yet undescribed species but i would lean toward it being the uh uh c macalatus he says it is exceptionally unusual to find footage of creatures this rare even the monterey bay aquarium research institute which is dedicated research organization rarely showcases footage of never before seen creatures even when they do the specimens tend to be quite small, such as a tiny deep-sea jellyfish spotted in April. The box jellyfish seen above is very large by comparison. The only comparable recent discovery by NBARI would be the giant phantom jellyfish that was spotted last December, and even it had been documented nine times before. So it sounds like he definitely got some impressive footage. I didn't get a chance to watch the video before I recorded this episode, but I'll definitely check it out. And I encourage you all to check it out as well. It's always great to see some of the unique creatures that exist in our oceans. And as everybody knows, our oceans have barely been discovered. We haven't even scratched the proverbial surface yet. <laughs> The CRD wall is a dynamic wall-based photo gear storage system. Swedish company CRD Bag, known for making smart storage solutions for working professionals, has launched the new dynamic storage wall system based on cords called the CRD wall. The new modular wall system is designed for users to be able to store their camera equipment and miscellaneous accessories all in one place. The company claims the system allows for a better overview of the available equipment and should make packing and unpacking for a project much faster. Leveraging the tactical features of the pre-existing CRD bag system, the CRD wall makes it possible to connect a large number of systems together, limited only by wall space, which the company says gives users the ability to expand and extend the size of their CRD wall to place all their gear in otherwise unused and wasted space. The company says the system is minimalist in design, takes up minimal space when transporting, and is easy to install, adjust, and expand upon. Each CRD wall kit is 24 inches wide and contains two tracks, eight track hooks, eight CRD loops, one CRD lock, and one 98-foot or 30-meter cord available in black, silver, gray, and ultra neon yellow. CRD wall is a storage wall system made to free up space in your studio or office, speed up your packing routine, and get a better overall view of all your camera gear. 
company founder, Matthias Naslin says, having worked as professional filmmakers running camera rental business, Naslin and his partner realized the need for high quality, fast, functional sub packing products. And so the CRD wall system was born. The dual says that by making the system wall based, users will be able to clean up the space in their studio as well as clearly see and access all of their gear. The caveat is that the CRD wall will only store certain types of gear, and it does require users to have invested in the CRD bag or similar system. Also, users can only attach gear that is already in bags or objects that can be easily hooked into. It is also worth noting that users will have to drill into their walls in order to secure the aluminum tracks, which further limits its use cases. The CRD wall system is available now for $195 per kit, and it, along with other products from CRD bag, can be found on the company's official website. So I must say, I really like this system. I hadn't heard of this company before, but the CRD wall is definitely an intriguing system for storing your photography accessories and lighting and all of that good stuff. Gaffer's tape, the whole kit and caboodle would definitely make it easier to keep your stuff in a limited area and yet be able to easily visually inspect and see everything that you have and quickly grab it off this system to pack it up for a location shoot. Definitely a clever idea. My hat's off to them. The new Naya Evo camera backpacks are made from recycled fishing nets. Naya Evo has announced an upgraded version of its Fjord camera backpacks that are made from recycled nylon waste, such as those from fishing nets and fabric scraps. The result is a heavy-duty bag that also reduces the environmental impact of nylon by 90%. The backpack company was launched in 2017 and says its goal is to create gear that is responsive and intuitive to photographers' needs and develop the most trusted camera packs for adventurers, explorers, and creators. Quote, when Jensen designed his first Naya Evo backpack, it was with a simple goal, to make the best adventure camera bag on the market, something that lets you carry precious camera gear safely, no matter how unforgiving the conditions. Naya Evo says, and we succeeded. Our Fjord 36 and removable camera insert system have been a game changer for adventure photographers the world over. But now we're taking things further. Its latest push to that endeavor is the Fjord uh, Econo line, uh, line of backpacks. They feature a new color, new removable insert design, new fabric called Econi, E C O N Y I. Naya Evo says that it is dedicated to protecting the environment, but also that talk is cheap. To put its efforts where its mouth is, the company adopted. Ecoli, which is made from regenerated nylon and reduces the global warming impact of the material by up to 90% compared to using new materials, which is made with the use of oil. Quote, purchasing a Naya Evo Ford back, Fjord backpack will not only help you carry your precious gear safely and comfortably, but every purchase also looks after the planet we're on, the company says. Sometimes the best way to be a conscientious consumer is to consume less. So we made our backpack even more hard-wearing with regenerated nylon and a design that's engineered to last. It's time for a change. It's time for a new, brighter, and more honest future in photography. In addition to using the new Econol 
uh, fabric. The new Fjord bags feature a removable waist belt, a helmet attachment net with an extra quick access slip-in pouch, a rain cover with reflective logo, stronger interior fabric made of 100% recycled polyester, and a removable sternum strap with aluminum toggles. The bags also have full rear access that is compatible with all of the company's removable camera gear inserts. Speaking of those inserts, the company's updated design comes in three sizes and are made to be arranged however the user wants. The company says the new separators are also redesigned to provide more inner storage space than before. The Fjord 60C is the largest at a, at a 45 liter capacity, followed by the midsize Fjord 36, which is 36 liter capacity. The larger bag is available to back on Kickstarter for as little as $300, while the Fjord 36 can be backed starting at about 210. Naya Evo expects to deliver finished bags to backers by November. So this is definitely a cool project. I think it's a great idea to make camera gear, uh, especially camera bags, out of recycled materials. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And my hat's off to them for their research and development of this new bag using 100% recycled nylon. That is absolutely fabulous. Ah, I definitely might have to get me one of those bags. Canon's next RF mount camera is in the field. Canon's next APS-C camera will be a small form factor vlogger, which we're told will be close to the Canon EOS M6 Mark II in design. Confirmed specifications are still relatively unreliable, but you can be sure that it will shoot 4K at 60 frames per second and that there will likely be a 120 frame per second mode. We have also been told the camera will use a different kind of very angle LCD screen. We cannot confirm this as we haven't seen the camera yet. Canon's current design is loved by a lot of people, but not everyone. The number one complaint we hear is that the screen flips to the side and a lot of people would like it to flip over the camera. We hope to confirm more information about this camera soon. It is expected to be announced before November of 2022. So stay tuned for more to come as this story unfolds. Canon thinks that the camera market decline is bottomed out and targeted growth is coming. Camera has amended their Q2 2022 financials with their thoughts about the future of the camera market. It's one that we tend to agree with. The entry-level market formerly represented by the PowerShot line and the EOS Rebel line is essentially over for the obvious smartphone reasons. A few years ago, Canon did say that they see the future of the business to be in producing products to target specific types of users. Now, Canon thinks that they will see growth in the prosumer and professional spaces. A Sony executive's recent silly claim that smartphones would surpass ILCs in performance within three years aside, Canon will continue to listen to customers and produce targeted products that meet their ever-changing needs. Canon also says they will continue to produce DSLRs as long as there is demand. I would not expect new DSLRs to be announced, but cameras like the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III will be a viable tool for years to come. Below is an excerpt from the amended financial presentation. Question one, what is your outlook for the external environment in 2023 and the sustainability of your growth going forward? 
Answer one, even if production around the world recovers smoothly, it will probably take around a year for the inflation caused by the shortage of goods, which arose from supply chain disruptions, etc., to subside naturally. We expect to continue growing as we have transformed our business portfolio and will actively invest to further enhance our products. Question three, amid concern that semiconductor capital spending will slow down, what is your outlook for semiconductor lithography equipment demand in 2023? Answer, considering the current situation of semiconductor shortages and the technological innovation that is occurring now, we expect demand to remain strong. For this reason, we will continue to invest in production expansion with a plan to increase our production capacity by at least 50% in the future. And question five, what is your outlook for the camera market going forward? Additionally, will you continue to offer both mirrorless and DSLR cameras? Answer, the camera market has largely bottomed out at its current size. Going forward, we expect the professional and advanced amateur segment to expand further and that products will become more highly developed. Accordingly, we expect the overall market to grow from now on. As for DSLR cameras, we will continue to supply products as long as there is demand. So definitely some interesting insights from Canon, and I have to agree with them. I think we are getting to the point where the camera market decline has finished hitting bottom, and now there will be targeted growth coming in the future. And I think Sony sees the same thing, but that's just my opinion. All right, I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Nikon Speedlight SB500 flash orders temporarily suspended. Speedlight SB5000 available for purchase. Nikon Japan has issued a new press release notice indicating that orders for the Speedlight SB500 flash are temporarily suspended. The Speedlight SB5000 flash should be available for purchase. Most Nikon Speedlight flashes have been uh, for a while and are currently out of stock in the U.S. You can check Adorama or B&H. As I already mentioned last year, I think Nikon is done with developing flash units for their cameras and has always outsourced that task to third-party manufacturers. And if you remember, they're now partnering with Nissan and Profoto. So I think this is going to continue, but at least you can get the SB5000 for now. But keep looking around. Maybe you'll get lucky and find the SB500 in stock somewhere. But chances are they're going to have limited quantity. So you may want to get them while the getting's good. 34 Nikkor F-mount DSLR lenses discontinued. In the past few months, I've been reporting about all the discontinued Nikon F-mount products. 
AP has been tracking the availability of Nikkor F-mount DSLR lenses and concluded that over the last three years, Nikon has discontinued 35 F-mount lenses. Here is the entire list. The Nikon 10.5 millimeter F2.8 GED DX fisheye, the Nikon 12 to 24 F4 GED AFS DX, the Nikon 16 to 80 F2.8 to 4 ED or E ED VR AFS DX alphabet soup, the Nikon 17 to 55 F2.8 GED IF AFS D, the Nikon 18 to 55. F35 to 56 GAFPDX, the Nikon 18 to 200 millimeter F35 to 56 GIFEDVR2 AFS VRDX Alphabet Soup, the Nikon 70 to 300 F45 to 63 GAFPDX, the Nikon 14 millimeter F2.8 DEDAF, the Nikon 16 millimeter F2.8 DAF Fisheye. The Nikon 18 to 35 F35 to 45 GED AFS, the Nikon 20 millimeter F2.8 DAF, the Nikon 24 millimeter F2.8 DAF, the Nikon 24 to 70 F2.8 GED AFS, the Nikon 28 to 300 millimeter F35 to 56 GED AFS VR. The Nikon 28mm F2.8 DAF, the Nikon 35mm F2 DAF, the Nikon 60mm F2.8 DAF Macro, the Nikon 60mm F2.8 DRG ED AFS Micro, the Nikon 70-200 F4 GED VR AFS, the Nikon 105mm F2.8 GAFS VR2 Micro, the Nikon AFS DX 16 to 85 millimeter F35 to 56 GED VR. The Nikon AF 50 millimeter F1.4 D. The Nikon AF 105 millimeter F2 D DC. The Nikon AF 135 millimeter F2 D DC. The Nikon 18 to 55 F35 to 56 G2 Mark II AFS DX. The Nikon 18 to 55 millimeter F35 to 56 G Mark II AFS DXVR. The Nikon 18 to 105 millimeter F35 to 56 GED VR AFS DX. The Nikon 18 to 300 millimeter F3.5 to 5.6 GED IF VR. The Nikon 55 to 200 F45 to 5.6 GVR2 AFS DX. The Nikon 55 to 200 millimeter F45 to 5 or F4 to 5.6 GVR AFS DX. The Nikon 55 to 300 F45 to 5.6 GVR AFS DX. The Nikon 70 to 200 millimeter F2.8 GED VR2 AFS. The Nikon 70 to 300 F45 to 5.6 GED AFS VR. The Nikon 180 millimeter F2.8 DED IF AF. And the Nikon 200 millimeter F4 DED IF AF macro. Some of these lenses could still be available for purchase in the U.S. You can check Adorama, Amazon, B&H Photo, Paul's Photo, and Service Photo. And as I've said before, it's not shocking that Canon and Nikon continue to discontinue their DSLR lenses because they're fully all in in the mirrorless world. And they're going to be spending their money on mirrorless glass 
not DSLR glass anymore. That's just the nature of the beast. Rumor, Fujifilm to launch two tilt-shift lenses for GFX in 2023. Speculation, Fujinon GF21mm F4TS and the Fujinon GF30mm F4TS. On the official G-mount roadmap, Fujifilm says there will be a tilt-shift lens, not lenses, coming in 2023. And in fact, they even showed us during the X-Summit in September of 2021 mock-ups of that lens. We can clearly see it's a GF30mm F4TS. But here's the thing. We have been informed that Fujifilm does not plan to release one, but two tilt-shift lenses for the GFX system in 2023. If Fujifilm does not change plans, one of them will surely be the Fujinon GF30mm F4TS. As for the second one, you might remember now, back in 2019, Fujifilm officially asked you guys which tilt lens you want to get for your GFX. For your convenience, you can see the survey again down below. There was the option of the GF 23mm F4 tilt shift, a 30mm F4 tilt shift, a 63mm F4 tilt macro, and a GF 120mm F5.6 tilt macro. Out of the four options Fujifilm gave us, most of you wanted the widest one, the Fujinon GF 21mm F4 tilt shift. The second spot went to the one lens Fujifilm will make for sure, the GF 30mm F4 tilt shift, unless they change their mind. A smaller number of the GFX community desired a tilt macro option. Since my source mentioned a second tilt shift and not tilt macro lens, all those who voted for the Fujinon 21 F4TS can be quite hopeful now. But I don't have details on the second lens. It could be also something totally different. I will see if I can find out for you guys and will eventually let you know here on Fuji Rumors. So it is interesting, and I would be excited to see tilt shift lenses for the GFX mount. They'd be great to have for my GFX 50R. And as I mentioned before, I'm still hoping one day to get the GFX 100S, but we'll have to wait and see. This deal makes even Canadians grumpy. Fujifilm USA gives away free 325 gigabyte CF Express card with $400 with an X-H2S purchase. It is a crazy good deal. Buy a Fujifilm X-H2S, and Fujifilm will give you a free 325-gigabyte Delkin Black CF Express card worth $400 on top of it. The problem? The deal is only valid for U.S. residents. This kind of annoyed every Fujifilm X-H2S owner who does not live in the USA. Even those who are widely considered as one of the most friendly and chilly people on the planet, Canadians, see video below, and it and it annoys especially those Canadians who bought their Fujifilm X-H2S at B&H Photo and other U.S. stores. So upon high request of the Fujifilm community, community who flooded my inbox with emails complaining about this deal not running in their country and asking me to do something about it, I repost the deal today with the warm invitation to Fujifilm to extend this deal to other countries. Do it, Fujifilm. Just do it. And if you're interested in a Fujifilm X-H2S, you can buy one at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Moment, and Focus Camera. For the full details about the deal and the terms and conditions, you can check out this article. In this current article, you can see the accompanying article in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> 
Next up, Sony unlocks in-camera forgery-proof technology. This is a nice surprise. Here is the press deck. Sony unlocks in-camera forgery-proof technology. Sony today announced the availability of its in-camera forgery-proof photo technology for corporate business users. Using digital signatures processed to capture, Sony technology supports detection of any modifications to an image, thus protecting it from fraudulent usage. Following widespread issues with unauthorized editing and misconduct around digital photo data, Sony has developed a forgery-proof technology based on standard cryptography uh, for corporate users to safeguard images against future misuse. With Sony's in-camera signing mode activated, images are immediately cryptographically signed by the camera processor upon capture. Following this, any pixel modification, tampering, or potential forgery will cancel the image signature as the image manipulation will be uh, detected by the customer's own certificate server during examination. Available on the Alpha 7 IV camera with expansion to other models to be considered in sequence, this new functionality streamlines the lengthy process required from image submission through to verification, all with the addition of extra security. The Alpha 7 IV also combines a 33-megapixel full-frame back-illuminated XMOR-R CMOS image sensor with Bionez XR imaging engine to deliver high-speed processing and outstanding resolution. Sony's new forgery-proof signing mode ensures the secure creation and transmission of images based on cryptographic methods as the fundamental need for certifying unmodified secure images grows in many applications across multiple industries. This technology is particularly applicable for passport and ID verification, but goes further in tackling image manipulation in the media, medical, and law enforcement fields. For the insurance and construction sectors, this technology will offer a secure foundation for inspection and recording of damage. Yasuo Baba, Director of Digital Imaging European Product Marketing at Sony, commented, quote, it is Sony's mission to strengthen business solutions with cutting-edge imaging technology, and our in-camera digital signing is a real game-changer for combating image manipulation and forgery across multiple industries. Whilst appropriate adaptions for each industry need to be made, the digital signature is multilingual and can be used internationally, enabling organizations worldwide to streamline mandatory image signing with Sony technology. Currently compatible with the Sony Alpha 7 IV and subject to a recipient of a license to enable Sony signing mode, this, fact, uh, this facility will be available for business users with plans to further model expansion to follow. In tandem, Sony will continue to examine how we can utilize our industry-leading imaging technology to further support enhanced security across multiple industries with plans to expand the lineup of supported cameras hereafter. And I think this is a great idea. This is something that the photography world desperately needs for commercial use. And I can absolutely see other companies following suit at some point in the near future. And last for this episode, updated the $345 Yongnu 85mm f1.8 FE lens outperforms the $3,990 Zeiss Otis lens. 
The Phobolographer spotted the surprising result posted by DxO Mark. The young new 85mm f1.8 FE lens available at Amazon US, BH Photo, Amazon DE, and Amazon UK outperformed the 10 times more expensive Zeiss Otis lens. Update the Zeiss was tested on a lower resolution camera, and this surely had a negative influence on the score. Moreover, this score is not perfect, it's a subjective standard of scoring results. So don't take it as a perfect tool for final judgment. Still, the Yangnu remains extremely impressive. And that's all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and that wraps up episode 267 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. And don't forget to hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will be announcing the summer contest next Thursday on uh, the, that episode on August 11th. So make sure you tune in for that episode to find out all of the details and what the prize is that the show will be giving away. All right, that's it for this one, folks. I'm out of here. We'll see you all again on Thursday. <laughs>